0: glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word. Friends, seeing the glory of God and hearing the good news of Jesus always evokes a response. Your response could either be hardened in disbelief or a response of overflowing, overflowing joyful faith. No matter what uh, your circumstance or who you are or where you are, seeing the glory of God and hearing the gospel of Jesus always evokes some response one way or another. So I want to ask us all this morning as we look at this text, which may be familiar to you. It's a famous Christmas passage. um, I want to ask you, how do you respond to the glory of God and the good news of Jesus? How do you respond? It's very common for us to maybe be so familiar with it that it bores us. Or maybe we just don't really believe it, it's a cute story, let's get on with the Charlie Brown and the Red Rider BB gun. Or uh, maybe uh, it's hard for us, maybe we want to we wanna understand it, we want to respond in joy, but we, just, we, we don't know what's going on in our heart. So uh, as we look at God's word today, it's my hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit will give us all uh, humble hearts and humble minds to really see God for who he is in all his glory and respond to the good news of Jesus with joy and faith. As we've been going the past couple of weeks in Luke chapter 1 and now in Luke chapter 2, we've been going through a series we're calling the Songs of Advent. We've seen that um, Mary in chapter 1 responds with a beautiful song in response to the good news of giving birth to Jesus. And we see uh, Zechariah, who is a relative of Mary, responding with a prophetic song and hearing the good news of of his son, John, going to be the forerunner of Jesus, who is, who is the Christ. And now we see today a passage that, that, that has an element of song to it, although it's different from the other ones. Right, there's no uh, long list of, of poetic verses um, from the shepherds per se. There's, there's a, a, a phrase from the angels uh, praising God. But then there's a statement that is quite powerful that we can't gloss over in verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is no small sentence, but very, it's a very pivotal statement about the power of the gospel and the glory of God and its effect on people. This story tells us about God's glory, the good news of Jesus, and the witness of God's people as a response. And there's something here for all of us today that I want us to take away. So uh, let's look at it first. I want us to see how this passage shows us the glory of God. We see in verse 9. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And then in verse 14, the angels sing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Throughout the Bible, throughout scripture, glory is is God's manifested presence with his people. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again of God coming to visit his people uh, during the time of Exodus. It, it was said that God's glory would come down on on the mountain of Sinai as he was speaking to Moses and, and and to the people. And God's glory would come and dwell in the tabernacle as they would worship him as they were traveling to the promised land. God's glory was always his revealed character through his presence dwelling with his people. And so here we see in this passage that 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 is... God's glory is revealed character. His presence is with them uh, to the shepherds as he is speaking to them about the coming of his son, Jesus. It was always God's intent to be present with his people and reveal to them his character and his purposes, his redemptive plan for his people. I like movies, and I'm sure that you do. Um, You should, maybe, with discretion. Um, Speaking of discretion... Uh, the Usual Suspects is a movie that I really like. <laughs> There's no segue there, um, and if you've not seen it, maybe you shouldn't. But if you have seen it, you know uh, that I, I love movies with a plot twist. You know, like The Prestige and you know Six Sense. Ooh, you never saw that coming! Woo hoo! Uh, I love movies like that, right? I just I like a movie that'll pull you in, and you see some random seemingly random thing happening, but at the end it all comes down to maybe one mastermind that's pulling it all together, right? And so The Usual Suspects is a great movie where you see a bunch of random different criminals all in pursuit of some major heist, and it's all put together by some guy named Kaiser Soze, right? You don't know who he is, but then you you follow to the very end of the movie, you know, and if you've seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you, but you know it involves... The dude dropping a coffee cup and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and it all kind of comes together. In that moment, you see this huge plan that the whole movie had been centered around that involved so many people. All of a sudden, it was revealed the identity of the mastermind behind the, the plan, right? It was Kaiser Sose was revealed to be that guy. You know, you have to watch the movie, right? Um, that's kind of a sinister way to describe God. I just realized that. Sorry about that. God is not some sinister mastermind. But what we do see happening is God throughout redemptive history has done amazing things to reveal a little about who he is and what he's doing. And throughout history, he's been calling his people to do and, and play a role in certain things to redeem creation. We've seen that through God's uh, work through Israel and, and Exodus as we've been going through Deuteronomy uh, this past season here at Redemption Church. We see that God had plans for Israel through uh, the prophets and through the lineage of David. We see that God has, was making good on his promise to be uh, his, uh, a father to his children, to be a king for his people, and that he was going to send a redeemer, a Christ, a Messiah to come and to rescue his people. And so and so in this moment, picture being uh, in the first century, right? The Roman Empire is very oppressive. They're taxing the mess out of you. There's, there's religious corruption. There's socioeconomic division among uh, religious elite. And then your common guy like a shepherd or a fisherman. And, and in this moment, you're thinking, has God forgotten about us? I mean, how is all of this great stuff from our history, our past? I mean, all these things that God did in creation and through the exodus and as God had done through uh, the lineage of David, a greatest king, but then there's been a season of exile and oppression from other nations. And now here we are during the Roman occupation, experiencing socioeconomic division and political oppression and religious corruption. And in the midst of that, God comes down to visit. He says, I've not forgotten about my people. I mean, I have a plan. All of this stuff that was happening is leading to this moment. All of these key players in the game, as corrupt as they may have been, is leading to this moment to reveal who I am and, and what I have for you. That's when the angel appears to them, the glory of the Lord shown around them. That's the, it's God's revealed character through his presence. And that's why the angels come and say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. See, the birth of Jesus is the work of God made known. The identity of God as the mastermind of redemptive history is being made realized in the birth of Christ. And that's exciting. That's the glory of God coming down. But we also see the culmination of God's glory rests in the good news of Jesus. I mean God doesn't just come down and say check me out I'm God. <laughs> he says I want you to know my son Jesus. Verse 10. As the angels um, appear. appeared the glory of the Lord the Lord shone around them they were filled with fear. So the shepherds were filled with fear. The angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels are saying that expectation that you've had for generations, that expectation you've had throughout biblical history, you've been waiting on God to make good on his promise to rescue his people, that is happening today. That is happening right now in this city, in this region, in your land, amongst your people the city of David, the, the lineage of the greatest king of Israel. Through his lineage in that city, a savior is born, Christ the Messiah. That's what that means, Christ the Messiah, the the redeemer, the one that God's people had been anticipating. And this is good news that is great joy for all of God's people. I mean, the the word good news there is the word gospel. We sometimes throw that word around kind of loosely and um, it has such huge implications in the first century in biblical history. I mean, the word, the word gospel in, in Greek is from where we get the word evangelism. And it's proclaim something that's of good news. But it's not only a religious proclamation. It has political and, and even military proclamations. In the first century, if you were in the army and your army won a victory like you you know you fought off the enemies and, and crushed the rebellion or whatever, it would be a, a gospel proclamation to send word back uh, to the people. Hey, the good news is that we won the battle against the enemy. The good news is that our city is saved so so it was a gospel was a military a statement of military victory it could also be uh, something of of uh, political significance in fact when um, when kings were born like even like in in the caesars were born there was a proclamation uh, a good news a gospel that a new caesar had been born so so there's military and political but also religious proclamation and the good news that, that jesus the savior the christ is born and this is good news that has great joy For God's people, the good news is that God is making good on his promise to save his people religiously, politically, militarily even, spiritually speaking. That God's people would be rescued, they would be saved through the promised king that would come from David's line. And that was happening this day as the shepherds heard this. So friends, seeing the glory of God and hearing the good news of Jesus always evokes a response. We can stop here and say, I don't buy it. You know, angels coming down. Maybe you know, I've seen those UFOs. Were they hallucinating? What was that? You know, or uh, you know, this good news of Jesus. I mean, I've read through history that there were so many messiahs, and there were so they weren't expecting a religious leader. They were expecting a political military victor. Maybe you're you're buying into that and thinking, you know, I don't really know if I buy it. Or we can step back and say, let's see how this fits into God's redemptive purposes. He's been revealing throughout biblical history to point us to Jesus and we can respond with great joy and faith. So we can learn from the shepherds. The right way to respond. I think there's a reason God had shepherds hear this good news in this story for us. The angels did not appear to the religious elite in Jerusalem and give them this good news. He did not, the angels did not appear to the military leaders and give them this good news. The angels did not appear in the political hierarchy of Rome to give them this good news. The angels appeared to shepherds. And I think God did that for numerous reasons. And one is so that we would know perhaps the best way to respond to the glory of God and hearing the good news. Look at how the shepherds is, is witnessing this. I mean, first, let me just tell you about shepherds i don 't know if you know shepherds or if you know much about shepherds. i've actually met a few shepherds uh, when I was in eastern europe and and you know they're they're rough you know they they smoke, they cuss, you know they're dirty um, they 're out with their sheep out in the fields they camp out they don't you know they're just rough dudes, man, uh, and a lot of fun to be around <laughs> In the first century, uh, to be a shepherd was not a, a prestigious job. I mean, you, you were it was a very humble, servant class kind of a job. In fact, shepherds were, were not looked on. I mean, they weren't wealthy. They were not popular. Uh, they were not uh, socially connected. And so what's so great about the story is you see this huge juxtaposition of these heavenly angels, right, these heavenly messengers of the good news, like, coming down to speak to these dirty, filthy, stinky, hairy, cussing sheep herders, right? That's so cool. I mean, for me, that gives me a little bit of hope to be like, man, God would send his messengers to those guys. Well, it's good news for us. Shepherds had a poor reputation. In fact, shepherds were not even allowed to participate in certain religious aspects of, of the culture of the day. Because of their job, because they were dirty, because they were around certain animals, they were not allowed to come to certain religious aspects, certain religious ceremonies. But here's something I found interesting. I I didn't know this until this week as I was studying this passage. Did you know that most uh, sheep herding took place pretty far out in the country? I mean, because it was gross and dirty, they would say, let's just... Let's get the shepherds and the sheep as far away from society as possible. But these particular shepherds were a little closer in. They were, they were, the region in which they were herding their sheep uh, leads us to believe. In fact, the evidence kind of points to they were most likely raising sheep that would be used in religious sacrifice in Jerusalem. Think about that for a minute. That, that struck me as pretty significant to think that these guys were actually raising lambs that would be sacrificed for religious purposes. Yet they themselves were not allowed to participate in certain religious activities. These are the ones who maybe had some role to play in God's redemptive picture and worship by raising sheep to be slaughtered. Sheep to be slaughtered and sacrificed for worship, but they themselves were not allowed to be intimately connected to the religious culture of the day. And God, in his mercy and sense of humor, sends the good news revealing his glory to these guys, which I think is pretty cool. And look how these guys react. The shepherds, let's read in verse 15. glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is great. First, the shepherds hear about the good news of Jesus, but then they go and see. That's important. The shepherds hear the good news from the angels. I mean, I don't know about you, but to me that, that, that almost would be enough. I'd be like, okay, this is too much. The sky just opened up, and there's all these angels singing glory to God. (laughs) I need a drink, you know? I mean, as a shepherd speaking, not me. I, I would never. But as a shepherd saying, you know what? That's a little too intense. We've been out in these fields with these stinky sheep. I must be seeing things. The sky's opened up. These heavenly angelic beings are singing praises to the Lord. I'm done. I need a nap, right? But these guys, hearing the good news and witnessing the glory of the Lord around them, didn't stop there. They said, let us go and see. I mean, there's a response to the glory of God and to hearing the good news, the gospel of Jesus. doesn't end with just seeing the glory of God and hearing the gospel. There is an action that happens. Go and see. Let, let us go. They weren't going and seeing in doubt. They were going and seeing in faith. They weren't saying, I doubt this is true. Let's go prove those angels wrong and go, Just this is a silly story. They they were saying, no, this is is obviously true. I mean, we've seen God's glory. We've heard the good news. Let's go and and witness it firsthand. And so they go into Bethlehem to go and see, to experience firsthand what they have seen and heard. Now, I want to ask you, how does that play out in your life? I mean, how does it play out? How, what is your initial response to the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus? I mean, are you eager to go and see what God's doing? Are you eager to go and and witness God's presence? Are you are you are you wanting to go and see how the good news is shaking out amongst other people? Because it's easy for you and I to say, "I've seen God's glory. I've heard the good news. That's enough. I'm tired. I'm bored." I'm doubtful, maybe. I think in our over-churched culture, we can be inoculated to the good news. The angels say, this is good news of great joy for the people. And we can say, it's good news. When do we get out of here, man? I want to beat the buffet line, you know? Or I just... Maybe you've grown up in church and you're like, man, I've just heard gospel, gospel, gospel. Everything's gospel this and gospel that. If you look at any Christian bookstore, everything has the title. It's gospel cookbook, gospel this. I'm like, holy cow, really? And I think the overuse of the word gospel kind of minimalizes the impact of really what's going on with gospel, right? So friends, if you're like me, I'm very cynical. Maybe you've picked up on that. I want us to to really pause and ask God to this Advent season to really reveal more of his glory to us. So I want us to to really have fresh ears to hear the gospel of Jesus and pray that by his spirit he would empower us to go and see what he's doing. Not not to step back and say that's enough, but rather I want to go. I want to see what God is doing. I mean, I've, I've heard the good news, I've witnessed his glory, but I want to go and see what he's doing amongst this people group or these friends or this family. I want to go and see what he's doing in this community of faith at redemption. I want to go and see what God is doing. It's important, friends. So I want to ask you, how are you going and seeing in response to the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus? Are you going or Are you staying? Are you, and when I say go in, I don't mean pack your bags and, and hop on a ship to India. I'm just saying, are you involved with other believers' lives to see how God's glory is being revealed to them? Are you, are you witnessing how God's redemptive plan is playing out in the lives of people around you? Are you, are you seeing God's good news affect those around you? Are, are you having a role in that? Are you pursuing growing in your faith? Because God has revealed his glory to you, because he has announced the good news of Jesus, you've heard it, you know it. Are you, are you going and seeing? Are you actively pursuing building up your own faith and the faith of those around you? Go and see. Here's something else that's important I think we can take away from the dirty, stinky, hippie shepherds. They returned. Okay, this is awesome. Uh, this is great. This is verse 20. I mean, this is what kills me, man. The shepherds are hanging out. The angels come down. Presence of the glory of God is there. They pronounce the good news of Jesus like this choir of angels. The shepherds say, this is incredible. We have to go and see this for ourselves. They go. They witness. They, they, they sit down. They see Jesus. They, they see the family, and they're like, this is incredible. And what they do next, they don't stay there. They don't stay there. They don't say, hey, we're just going to hang out with Jesus. This is so cool. Let's abandon our flock. Let's abandon the, the shepherd's guild or whatever they had. And let's just hang out with Jesus and Jesus' family in the stable. Scripture says they've returned. they returned. They went back to their home. They went back to their work. They went back to their realm of influence that God had placed them in. That is so important. Can you imagine being a shepherd working this dirty, hard, lonely, filthy job? You're I mean, just out in the field. You're by yourself a lot. You know, you're just like, or, or maybe you're out there with like a couple other guys and they irritate you. You're just out in the fields for weekend and week out. You're raising lambs so that other people can go worship, but you're not allowed to. I mean, can you imagine the effect that would have on you? You were raising sheep so that other people can go slaughter them to worship God, but you're not allowed to participate. You have to go back to your field by yourself and raise more sheep. You're poor, you're discouraged, you're lonely. I tell you, I wouldn't want to go back to that. Well, I want to hang out with Jesus, right? I want to, I want to hang out with Jesus's family. I want, I, want to, I want to be a firsthand, I want to be right there in the midst of all the action is what I would want to do. But it says they returned. They went back to their home. They went back to their work. They went back to where God had placed them to live out their lives. And so where has God placed you to live out your life? Like sometimes I think we can be so wrapped up in pursuing the life we want, we forget to live the life that we have. And God has placed you in certain realms of influence for his glory, for your joy, and that the good news would advance to those around you. You know, I I encourage you to pursue excellence in school and excellence in the workplace. I I encourage you to pursue uh, excelling in your career. That's good. But also be involved in the lives of those around you. Like God has placed you there not just to make money. He's placed you in your neighborhood not just to be comfortable. He's placed you in a neighborhood so that you can be witness to those around you about who God is and what he's done. He's given you a job not only so that you can make money for your family, but also that you can witness to God's goodness to those around you. He's given you a family so that you could raise them to know and love the Lord. Where has God placed you? I mean, when you, when you go and see God at work, where, where do you return to? Because that's important. And God taught me this uh, years ago when I, you know, uh, came to faith again. Like I became a believer at age eight. And my high school and college years pursued all kind of randomness. And the Lord wasn't, uh, wasn't pursuing the Lord at all. God shook me up when I was 20 and 21 and uh, made some things clear to me about who he was and what he had done to save me. It's a great story. Take me to lunch this week and I'll tell you all about it. And the first thing I did was say, I want to go and see what God's doing. I want to be witness to what God is doing. And so like I sold a bunch of stuff and I said, I'm leaving the country forever. You know, I just like packed my bags and went to Romania, which I love that country. I'll talk about it a lot. (laughs) And God did some amazing things in the ministry over there, not only to the children we were working with, but to me. I was raising money to move there. I was making plans to relocate my whole life over there. And while I was over there, I had a Romanian friend sit down and just talk about, you know, God's doing great things here, and we're glad to have you here, but, you know, God's going to keep doing those things here even after you leave. Like, you're not the great American savior. You know, you're not the gospel. You have a role to play here, but, you know, through my Romanian friend, he just said, man, I just, you know, as I talked about my hometown and how it was over church and all this, and I was a musician and blah, blah, blah. He just said, man, it sounds like you need to go be a missionary in your hometown, and, um, you know, I just thought, what does he know, right? And I come back here and then that was affirmed and confirmed by numerous other believers and kind of made me mad because I was like, man, I'd much rather go to Europe. I mean, I love you guys, but Europe, right? And so long story short, we're here and God is doing amazing things in Augusta, Georgia, right? This is what God had for me and my family. Where has God placed you to return to? That's what I'm getting at. You go and see what God's doing, but where are you to return? Right, just as the shepherds. The shepherds returned. But here's the important point. The shepherds didn't go back to their flocks to set up their tent and have a campfire and make s'mores. It says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Glorifying and praising all that they had heard and seen. Right, there is a response as they return home. They don't just check out from what they had heard and seen. They don't check out from what they had gone and witnessed firsthand. They don't return home and just be done with it. Well, that was fun, mountaintop experience. Let's go back and take care of the lambs. They return glorifying and praising God. Linguistically, the way this is written in the original Greek New Testament, this is ongoing, active things that are happening. They are ongoingly, actively glorifying. It's not like glory to God, peace, I'm out. It's not praise the Lord and we're done. It is an ongoing glorifying of the Lord as they went home. It is an ongoing, active praising of God. I mean, these men were changed for good. I mean, that's what we need to see here. They went back to their home. They went back to their work, but they went back as different men. They had seen and heard, heard something magnificent, and it changed them for good. And as they go back glorifying and praising the Lord for all they had heard and seen, I can only imagine how that would ripple out through the shepherd community. I mean, seriously, the Bible doesn't tell us about this, and it's not good to speculate about biblical things, but I think it's okay to imagine some very possible scenarios. Think about being a shepherd Right? You work with a lot of other shepherds. You all pool your sheep together and you're selling your lambs to be slaughtered in the temple for worship. And you, having never been able to participate in worshiping God in the temple, get a firsthand experience of God's glory. You were among the first to hear the good news of Jesus' birth. You go and see him, and as you, as you return home experiencing all of this, you have this ongoing heart of praise and glory. Can you imagine talking to the other shepherds and said, Hey, man, you know all of this lamb sacrifice is pointing to this, this Jesus guy. I saw him. He was just born. Can you imagine the, the, the positive good news that would ripple throughout the shepherd community? I mean, I think that is setting the stage for, for Jesus' work a couple of decades later. I honestly do. I think that the good news ripples through the most lowly of people and the most lowly of circumstances, and that is the grassroots level in which the good news goes forth. There, there's no loudmouth preacher standing up here teaching the Bible. There, there's no massive ministerial infrastructure. It is lowly dudes going and just living their life as changed people. They are ongoingly glorifying and praising God as they herd those sheep amongst other stinky shepherds. That To me, that's good news and that is freeing on so many levels. Friends, you don't have to drop what you're doing to go serve the Lord. I mean, you don't have to abandon the life that God has set you up in. In order to go glorify and praise God. If you can't glorify and praise God here and now, what makes you think you're going to do that once you're over in Africa or Austria or wherever? I mean, God calls you and to bloom where you're planted so that as you return home, you will glorify and praise God. Here's what's great about that. We saw earlier that glory is God's revealed character, right? It's it's his presence dwelling. In verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. In verse 14, the angels sing glory to God in the highest. Same root word in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying. You know what glorify means? It means to reflect God's revealed character. As God comes down and reveals his character by his presence that's, that's God's glory. But for you and I to glorify God, it means we reflect what has been shown to us. We, we echo what we've heard. To return home as a shepherd, to glorify means their lives were so radically changed that they were reflecting God's good character and, and, and echoing the good news that they had heard in every way. How are you doing that in your life? Are you doing that in your life? Friends, it's, it's hard. Sometimes I just don't feel like glorifying the Lord, you know. I, mean, I, I do it here, but some, I mean, tomorrow I may not want, you know. It's okay. It's, our hearts are like that. <laughs> glorifying and praising God. So I want us to think about a couple things as I wrap it up here. Because our hearts' intentions are, are not automatically leaning toward glorifying the Lord. We're not automatically bent on praising the Lord. We're just not. It's a human condition, not a soul that's ever lived, not a human person other than Jesus is naturally inclined to do that. It takes I mean, the shepherds were not doing that until God revealed his glory to them, until God proclaimed the good news of Jesus's birth. And then their response was to go and see and to um, to return home and glorify and praise. Their natural intention is not that you and I, our natural intentions are not that it's just not it's our intention to to glorify to to praise to to make known something other than god we want to talk about our cool job or talk about the cool company we work for or talk about the cool album or recording or the art we're making or, or the family we're building <laughs> or we want to talk about the the team or whatever it's harder It takes a, it takes an magnificent intervention of the Lord to come and, and reveal His glory and to tell us the good news in order for us to respond. So here's what I want to ask us to do, man. This, this Advent season, we get caught up in the melee of gift shopping and seeing family and friends and ugly sweater parties, what have you. And friends, we, we want to challenge each other. We've said this each week. We want to worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. We want to worship God fully as he has revealed his glory through the good news of the personal work of Jesus. We want to spend less and give more, meaning we want to be so fully involved as we return home to our neighborhoods, to our families, to our workplace, to our our school, whatever, our places of influence. We want to return there and and give more, Not, not just monetarily, but just give your life away. Relationally to those that God has placed you to to be influential around as the shepherds returned home to do that so so should we to glorify and praise is not only an act of worship but it is a way to love others man I mean it really is you you have such influence on the lives of other people how whatever you're reflecting to them can shape others, and you know i I'm, I'm just so afraid we get caught up in glorifying you know, ourselves or our business or our company or whatever, and we forget to to reflect God's good, loving, merciful character to others. mean, to glorify means to reflect his character to others. If you want to know what to reflect, just look through their Bible and you see a, a Lord who is slow to anger, abounding in love. He's merciful, he's gracious, he's patient, he's caring, he's kind, he's gentle, he's generous. And so, friends, as we return to glorify God, I pray that our lives would be reflecting that aspect of the Lord, not because we're all that with a bag of chips, but because God is amazing and has shown us some amazing things through Jesus. I think if we encounter the Lord and allow him to shape us to be this kind of people, we could see some radical things happen because of the gospel. I mean, Radical. I think the city would be changed for the glory of God and for our joy. And I think the gospel, the good news of Jesus, would advance from this little river town to the nations. I really do. So um, I want to ask you to respond at this time. Um, How are you responding to the good news of Jesus and the glory of God? You've heard it. You've seen it. How will you respond? Will you respond in um, dismissal or hardness or you respond by... Uh, being inoculated to it and just say, this is one more Christmas sermon, or will you have faith, ongoing relational trust and repentance, turning around away from things and turning toward the Lord, trusting him? And I think uh, that's where we all need to be. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. And thank you that um, you reveal your glory, your good character throughout redemptive history, throughout creation, throughout what we see in the Bible. Uh, And God, ultimately through your son, Jesus, through his work and his identity. I thank you for the good news of who he is and what he's done as we celebrate his birth this time of year. And God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts, affection, our minds, attention to you so that we. uh, God, I pray that you would just show us your glory, show us more more of who you are. God, that we would hear clearly the good news of Jesus, that you have sent a Savior to rescue your people from sin, from death, from religious and political and economic enslavement. Uh, God, that you have set us free to be fully worshipers of you. And Lord, I pray that that would be great joy for us. God, I pray that that good news would be great joy for us. And, Lord, that you would empower us as we return home to our neighborhoods and families and workplace and school places and uh, other connections in the community. Lord, I pray that as we return, we would indeed glorify and praise you. Lord, that as we return, something of your character would be reflected out of our lives. God, that something of your goodness would be reflected, that we would be uh, echoing the good news and that we would be reflecting and pointing people to you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our salvation, our only hope. God, I pray that you would do amazing things for the glory of your name and the joy of your people. In Christ's name, amen.